Welcome to the Sunday Evening Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Well, it's great to be here with you. Uh, I've followed, or by what I've heard, about uh, the, the establishing of the congregation here. And I suppose what you would like to see more than anything else is everybody in Burgess Hill becoming a Christian. (laughs) That is always our aim, isn't it? We want to communicate the gospel to those who don't know Jesus, don't know God's love for them. And I am going to talk about communicating the gospel tonight. What we have to always remember is that people who don't know the Lord have their own ideas about God, about church, about what a Christian is. And if you ask someone who doesn't have a personal relationship with God, what is a Christian, you get a variety of answers for example, a Christian, a, 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 a person who, who doesn't know the Lord, you say, what is a Christian? They might say, well, a Christian is someone who believes in God. Well, a Christian does believe in God, but there are many religions that believe in God in some form, or gods, if you're Hindu, there are thousands of gods. And what people believe in other religions about God is not the same as what we believe as Christians about God. Even Jews who worship the same God as us, they don't believe the same things about that God that we, that we believe. So, to believe in God doesn't make a person a Christian. Uh, Other people may answer your question, what is a Christian, by saying, well, a Christian goes to church. Uh, And that's true, Christians go to church. They go and participate in church services, like you are participating in a meeting tonight. But there's lots of people who go to church who aren't Christians. Just going to church doesn't make you a Christian. If, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus yourself, you've come to church, if you like, tonight, but that hasn't made you a Christian. So believing in God doesn't make a person a Christian. Going to church doesn't make a person a Christian. Somebody else may answer the question, well, A Christian is someone who does good works. And that surely is true. Christians are people who do good works. They do works of service and love for other people. But then so do many people that are not Christians. Many people have deep compassion for those who are in need and they spend their life loving and serving people to the best of their ability 
even though they're not Christians. You can even have an atheist who doesn't even believe there is a God who does good works. So doing good works doesn't make a person a Christian. Uh, somebody else may answer the question, well, what is a Christian? A Christian is someone who hopes he goes to heaven. But nearly everybody you meet hopes they go to heaven. Whether they ever believe in God, whether they ever understand even what heaven is like, what the Bible teaches us about heaven. They just have some idealistic view. But hoping that you go to heaven doesn't make you a Christian. So here we've got some very common attitudes. A Christian is someone who believes in God. A Christian is someone who has faith. But you see, the Bible says everybody has faith. Even an atheist has faith. Their faith is that God doesn't exist. Having faith doesn't make you a Christian. Now, of course, in your wisdom, you can perceive what the common denominator of all these questions, of all these answers is, and why all of them are inaccurate. Because every one of these answers speaks of what a person does. A person believes in God, a person does good works, a person goes to church, person lives as a good citizen, as do many people that are not Christians. But the whole emphasis is on what the person does. And you see, the truth is, it doesn't matter what you do, that will never make you a Christian. That a Christian is not, does not become a Christian because of what he does, but of what God does for him or for her. And that's what so many people in the world don't understand. Yes, once you're a Christian, you will do all those things that we've mentioned. But doing those things doesn't make you a Christian. Only God can make you a Christian. Only God can actually make you someone who will go to heaven. Only God can do whatever is necessary so that you can know God and have a personal relationship with him. And sometimes we want to communicate the truth of the gospel to those who have all these mistaken ideas. And what you learn from experience is if you don't deal with the wrong attitudes, then people aren't able to understand the right attitudes because they're trying to hear what you say through this sort of haze of mistaken ideas, which they've simply grown up with. So <coughs> it's important that what we are doing is appreciating where people are at. The great thing about Jesus, the Son of God, when he came, became man, is that he started where people were. 
You know, if God became man, you would think that God could come in a blaze of glory and speak about, uh, you know, all the glory of heaven and the holiness of God and, 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 and the perfection that God wants to bring into people's lives and all this. But Jesus began where people were because he was the greatest communicator that has ever walked on the face of the earth. And he began his ministry. We, the first thing that we know that he did, reading from the Gospels, from Mark's Gospel, it says this, Jesus went into Galilee, the northern part of Israel, proclaiming the good news of God. So he came speaking the Gospel, the good news of God. And what did he say? The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. You see, before ever he told people what they needed to do in relation to God, he wanted them to understand that he had come from heaven to give. And that what God wanted to do was to give people a kingdom the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Not in the future when they die, but now, here on earth. And what Jesus actually teaches us is if we do not belong to the kingdom of heaven while we're here on earth, we won't belong to the kingdom of heaven when we die either. So Jesus came with this amazing gift of heaven. But heaven as a present reality, not just as a future dream. So, what is heaven? Heaven is where God himself dwells. Not, he's not a man. Jesus came as a man for a short period of time as the son of God. But God is a spirit. This is the spiritual realm that God actually created before he created the universe. His spiritual creation existed before the physical creation. And everything in this heaven, according to the Bible, according to what Jesus has taught us, and, and others who he taught have taught us, there is nothing negative, nothing bad, nothing no sin, no pain, no sorrow, no sickness. It is a place of absolute perfection. And therefore, nobody who is imperfect can go to heaven. If heaven is a place of perfection, the only people that can be part of it are those who are perfect. If God allowed sinners into heaven, then heaven would no longer be perfect. It would have sinners in it. And it wouldn't be worth going to because that would mean it was no different from the world in which we live, which is full of sinners. Because everybody sins. There isn't a, a person on earth that doesn't sin because we're born with what the Bible calls a sinful nature, our natural nature, 
Our natural human nature is a sinful nature. We want to please ourselves, we want to live for ourselves, and so on. Self is at the center of the sinful nature. That's natural to everybody. But having a sinful nature would exclude us from heaven. Because all that natural nature does is to urge us, to prompt us, to tempt us, to lead us to sin, to do what we want and not what God wants. Heaven is where everyone and everything is at one with God, living in unity for all eternity with him. So, you know, the few years we have here on earth, 80-odd years, perhaps 90-odd years, is nothing compared to eternity. So, God in his love created man in perfection. This is what the story of Adam and Eve is all about, no matter how you want to understand that. The meaning is clear that God created man to know him and to be at one with him, and God, by definition, is perfect. He's complete. He is the creator. But Eve got deceived by the devil, and Adam chose to love Eve with her sinful nature instead of God, who is perfect. And that's why we talk, or the Bible talks about the sin of Adam. Choosing, he chose what he wanted for himself, rather than being faithful to the command that God had given him not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that was in the midst of the Garden of Eden, this garden paradise. If Adam hadn't sinned, he would have lived forever in that garden paradise. Man would, Adam simply means man, mankind. Mankind would have lived in eternity with God here on earth. But man sinned. And everybody who has been born since then has inherited that sinful nature. So you were born with a sinful nature. I was born with a sinful nature. Everybody's born with a sinful nature. Even the little darling baby, you know, who looks so innocent, it's not very long before they demonstrate their sinful nature. I mean, you can have a little child 18 months or so, perhaps even less than that. And you know they've, they've learned to walk and now you want to close all the cupboards and lock all the doors. And Why? Because you know this child is going to do exactly what he or she shouldn't do. There's the cupboard. They know, they know you do not go to that cupboard. You do not touch that door. And they're only about 18 months. And this little child goes up to the cupboard, looks at you, and smiles, and then deliberately opens the cupboard. That's the sinful nature. See, the sinful nature does what you want, but is disobedient. And 
So, you know, it doesn't take very long for even a nice, innocent-looking baby to show the nature with which he or she has been born. So God knew that he couldn't have sinners in heaven with him. And he didn't want his people to be living in sin here on earth. So he had to provide this remedy. He had to make it possible for people to receive this gift of the kingdom of God now, to, to be able to express the life of that kingdom now, and then to enjoy the glory of that kingdom for all eternity at the end of their lives here on earth. That's a great plan. You see, but it doesn't get fulfilled by wishful thinking. It only gets fulfilled in the way that Jesus taught and that Jesus made possible. So most of you know very clearly what that way is, but we've got to communicate this to other people. We want everybody to understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody comes to God the Father in heaven except by him, except through him. He is the only way. You know, it's a, uh, it's a lie to think that there are many ways to God, many ways to heaven. No, no, no. There's only one way, and that's Jesus. Many other religions believe in a form or version of heaven, but they don't believe what we believe about heaven. None of those other religions. And, you know, people of those other religions wouldn't want to go to our heaven because this is where Jesus Christ lives and reigns together with his heavenly Father. So, what did Jesus do to make people Christians? You see, he did what they could not do for themselves. We can believe in God, doesn't make us Christians. We can go to church, doesn't make us Christians. We can seek to live good lives, doesn't make us Christians. We can do good works, doesn't make us Christians. We can seek to be good citizens, doesn't make us Christians. Only Jesus can make people Christians. What is a Christian? Someone who belongs to Christ. Someone who actually lives at one with Jesus Christ. So what did he do? Well, because God couldn't have sinners in heaven, he had to come amongst us not to sin, but to actually live the life of heaven here on earth. So what we see in the life of Jesus as we read the Gospels is that he did not sin. Not only did he live in perfection, but he overcame everything that wasn't perfect. He overcame sin by forgiving people. He overcame sickness by healing people. He overcame devilish and demonic powers 
by setting people free from them. And then he even overcame death because after his crucifixion, he rose from the dead, showing us that no matter how we live here on earth, death is not the answer. That for a Christian, there is eternity with God. So, he taught about the kingdom. It says that he spoke many parables, used many pictures to describe the nature of God's kingdom. And he never preached without using these parables because what he wanted to do is, is to impress upon everybody, God wants to give you this kingdom. He wants to give you this kingdom. He hasn't come to demand things of you. He's come to give to you. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants, to, he wants to ensure that you have an eternity in glory with him. But he wants you to know this life of the kingdom now. And he wants you to know that you can live, you can begin to live the life of the kingdom here on earth. Just like he did. That you can overcome all these things that are so negative and destroy people's lives just like he overcame them once you're a Christian. But only if you receive what God wants to give. So he said to his disciples, fear not, little flock. Your father has chosen to give you the kingdom. You can't earn the kingdom of God. You can't deserve the kingdom of God. You can only receive it as a gift. So the big question is, have you received the gift of the kingdom? If you have, you're a Christian. If you haven't, you're not. It's as simple as that, really. But if you've received the gift of the kingdom, you've received the gift of eternal life. You don't only have your human life, you have God's life. You have eternal life within you. So Jesus taught all these parables about the kingdom. And he made it clear that God will never force anybody into the kingdom. That everybody can only become part of this kingdom by their own free choice to receive what God wants to give. And he told them what they had to do in order to receive this gift. Not all the things that we mentioned at the beginning, but there were two things that they had to do to repent and believe the good news now what is repentance repentance isn't just being sorry for your sins lots of people who aren't Christians are sorry for their sins even people who don't believe in God are sorry for their sins because of the guilt that is attached to the things that they know have gone on in their lives that have brought about so many problems. They say, you've often heard people say, if only I could start my life all over again, then I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do that and I wouldn't make this mistake and that mistake and I wouldn't sin in this way and that way. What they don't understand is that is exactly what Jesus came to say. God is giving you the opportunity to start your life 
all over again. That he wants you to have a new life, and what went on in the old life has absolutely no bearing and no significance. As far as God is concerned, that old life is washed away as if it never existed, and he gives you a brand new life as part of this kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven now while you're here on earth. That's what he meant by being born again. But you see, a person can't be born again unless he's first died. So that old life had to be put to death. So what Jesus did is, although he was innocent, never deserved to die, he actually deliberately allowed himself to be crucified. Why crucified? Because that was the death penalty for a convicted criminal under Roman law. So, although he was innocent, he took your guilt, my guilt, he took the sin of all humanity upon himself. And he suffered the penalty, he suffered the punishment that we deserve so that we will not be punished for our sins. We will not be punished eternally once we repent of our sins. We ask God not only to forgive us, but we decide, I'm leaving that old life where I just live to please myself. Now I want to belong to God. Now I want to be part of his kingdom. Now I want to live to please him. I want to live to do his will. That's repentance. Repentance literally means turning around. You're walking in one way, you know, just pleasing yourself, and then you turn completely around and you walk in the opposite way. It's not just being forgiveness. It's a complete revolution of your life, a complete turning around of your life. But there's another part to repentance. It's not just being forgiven. It's surrendering your life to Jesus. You see, as soon as he began to preach the gospel, he began to collect disciples, and he said, come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. So a Christian is someone who is following Jesus, but to do that, you have to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus. In heaven, there's nobody who hasn't surrendered his or her heart and life to Jesus. There's nobody who hasn't repented and hasn't been forgiven of their sins, hasn't been given a new life. Only people with a new life can be part of this kingdom. That's what Jesus came to make clear. But he came to make it possible for us to receive this wonderful gift. He said, all you've got to do is ask for God's forgiveness, decide you want to live a new life, and give your life to Jesus. So that why? So that he can give his life to you. That what he does is to give the life of what we call the Holy Spirit and we know that's the, the Spirit of God, the life of God, the power of God. That when a person is born again, he's born of the Spirit. That Spirit, God's Spirit comes to live in him to enable him to live the life of the kingdom here on earth. 
The second thing that Jesus says we need to do is to believe. But not just to believe in God, but to believe in what Jesus has done for us. Not believe in what we do for God, but believe in what he has done for us. That you see, as we read the, the scriptures, they, they teach us that he took all your sin, he took all your failure, he took all your guilt, he took all your fear, he took every negative thing on himself, uh, upon himself, and when he died on the cross, he put all that to death. Now that's pretty radical, isn't it, for God to send his son to do that. But actually the cross is even more radical. Because the problem is not the sin. The problem is the sinner. So it would be no good just forgiving us our sins, but us remaining sinners. Because sinners can't go to, can't go to heaven. Can't, sinners can't belong to the kingdom of God. Sinners can't live the life of the kingdom here on earth. So what the scriptures teach us is that Jesus didn't only take sin to the cross, he took the sinners to the cross. He took the whole of mankind. Every sinner was in some way in that action of Jesus going to the cross. The great apostle Paul, who wrote about a third of the New Testament, at the time of the crucifixion, he was an enemy of Jesus. Didn't believe in Jesus, didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Probably hated Jesus. But once he'd come to know Jesus, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. And he wasn't really living a very sinful life as he would understand it. He was a very, very religious person. But he knew that his religion meant absolutely nothing. Because in religion, you do stuff for God. Whereas, to be a Christian, God does things for you. It's what God does for you. So, you know, he said, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I have a new life, a life of faith. Whereas before, I had a life of trying to please God by what I was doing. Thinking I could impress God by my good religious works and lifestyle. And Paul came to understand that's rubbish, absolute rubbish. It accomplishes nothing. doesn't matter how good I try to be, I could never make myself a Christian. It's only what Jesus has done for me. Hallelujah. So Jesus took you to the cross. And you see, when you're born again, it's because you have actually died to the person you were, and you are no longer a sinner. You can still sin, but you don't live as a sinner. It is no longer your nature to sin, because God has given you a new nature, a new life, a divine nature. A God nature. So Jesus had a human nature and he had a divine nature, God nature. <clears throat> His human nature wasn't a sinful nature because he didn't sin. You and I, we had a sinful nature. Now, as Christians, we've got a new nature. And that nature 
pleases God. It doesn't sin. Of course, because God doesn't force us to live according to our new nature, we are still able to sin, and sometimes, sadly, we choose to sin and do what is not pleasing to God. But because we have this new nature, we are not condemned. We're not judged by God. Because our judgment, our punishment, happened on the cross. So now we can be readily forgiven when we sin. It doesn't mean that we, we, sin, we think it doesn't matter if we sin because now we're Christians. No, no, no. That, that would be to, to really abuse what God has done for us. No, no. But we know what Jesus has done for me has made me totally acceptable to him. I'm totally acceptable. And so, because that blood that was shed for me on the cross, that blood has made it possible for all my sins to be forgiven, for me to have a new life, for me to belong to the kingdom of God, to have that kingdom actually living within me. And God has given me his own spirit, his own life, his own power to enable me to live the life of, the Christ, of a Christian, to live the life of the kingdom. So if I mess up sometimes and if I grieve him and if I fail, God doesn't say, oh, out of my kingdom, get out. You are just a failure because you're no longer a sinner. Now you're a saint. A saint isn't someone who has a saint day named after him. A saint is someone who, who is a Christian. Every Christian is a saint according to the Bible. So you used to be a sinner, but now you're a saint. And because you're a saint, you belong to the kingdom. And when you die physically, you will go to heaven. You're assured of that. Hallelujah. But we're not Christians simply because we want to go to heaven, but because we want to please God while we're on earth. We want to live this life of the kingdom, and we want to communicate to everybody else, God wants to give you a kingdom. Church shouldn't be dull and boring. Church should be exciting because we're coming to celebrate the new life that God has given us. Religion is boring. You can go to lots of boring, boring, boring services. But those who know and love God, where the kingdom of God is being expressed, that's exciting. And things happen. Lives change. People are being transformed. Healings happen. Miracles happen. It's all just like we read about in the New Testament. And all those things happen here in Kingdom Faith Church. We want more and more and more of the life of the kingdom to be evidenced amongst us, but already that takes place. And we praise God for some wonderful miracles, wonderful healings, wonderful transformed lives, changed people, sinners made saints. This is the gospel. But you see, people, most of the people living in Burgess Hill don't know this. If they were to hear what I'm saying, they would say, I didn't realize that's what a Christian is. I didn't realize that a Christian was someone who had the gift of the kingdom, that a Christian was someone who 
had God's life living in them? I never realized that. If you ask them, they would say, I, I never realized that you could only go to heaven if you belong to the kingdom of God while you're here on earth. So, you know, it's not for us to judge all these people that don't know God, but actually to have great compassion for them because they simply do not know. And what the Bible says is, well, how will they ever know unless someone goes and tells them? And that's why you're here. But Burgess Hill will come to hear the good news of the gospel. Might take a little bit of time to get to all 30-something thousand of them, but God is establishing here a group of people to make Jesus known in Burgess Hill. To see the kingdom of God spread in Burgess Hill. People who don't know God sometimes try to avoid these personal issues by argument. Uh, well, if God is a God of love, why, is, why does evil exist in the world? Why do so many terrible things happen? Jesus came as the answer to evil. God in his love came and overcame the powers of evil, the powers of darkness in Jesus. That's the love of God. That because of sin, evil came into creation, into, into our world. But Jesus is the answer to that. That's what people don't understand. The amazing thing is that more calamities and catastrophes don't take place because so many, I mean the vast majority of people living in the world are living in disobedience to God. But he doesn't. He doesn't do a Noah. You remember in the Noah, there was this flood that washed out. But God said, I'll never do that again. Instead of a Noah, God, God sent his son to make it possible now for new life, for new creation, to be part of his kingdom, to see the kingdom of heaven. And, I mean, if people were at least as children taught to recite the Lord's Prayer, what, what's the main content of that? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth. What is the kingdom? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God has made possible for us. So, beloved, if we're going to communicate the gospel... It's not only going to be because of what we say and what we know. We're not there just to communicate what we know. We're, there, we're here to communicate what we live. That what people need to see is that we live this life of the kingdom. And that when they come amongst us, they see the possibility of not only belonging to the kingdom, but of living the new life that Jesus has made possible.
does it mean that we'll have no problems? No, 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 no. Jesus said, in the world you'll have big problems because the world is that kind of place. But when we have the life of God within us, we have the answer to the problems. We are able to overcome. God enables us to overcome whatever comes against us. Even when we sin, we can overcome that by the forgiveness of God. If we get sick, we have the healing power of God available to us. Not just the medical profession. Praise God for the medical profession. But God can do what the medical profession can't do. God can work miracles and does. So we have all the riches and all the resources of God's kingdom available to us. But what are we to do with those riches and sources? Not just live for ourselves. Not just say, oh, hallelujah, I've got a nice Christian life. But we live to make Jesus known to others. To communicate this gospel by the way we live, by the things we say, by the things we do. Those things are not what we say and do to make us Christians, but because we are already Christians by what God has done for us, by the fact that God himself has come to live within us. Praise God. This is the gospel. This is the good news. All we do is to live according to the wonderful gift that God has given to us out of his great love for us. And when you think about it, God in his perfection hates sin. He hates sin. He hates everything that is negative and destructive in the lives of people. He hates that. He doesn't hate the people, but he hates the sin. And yet he was prepared to come and take all that he hates upon himself, to allow all that to be laid upon Jesus so that we could be saved from everything in our lives that God hates. And instead, to be filled with his love. Because when we receive his life, we receive his love. And this is what enables us to love not just with our human love. Everybody can love with their human love. But we are able to love with God's love. So praise God. This is a wonderful opportunity to start this new congregation here in Burgess Hill and to have this vision of seeing more and more people hear the truth of the gospel whether they're religious or whether they're totally non-religious and have nothing to do with religion, to hear the truth and to respond to the truth. And this is the amazing thing. God has made it so simple for us. All we have to do is to want to be forgiven and to want a new life and to say, Lord, you are the only one who can forgive me. You are the only one who can give me that new life. You are the only one who can give me the gift of the kingdom. You are the only one who can give me the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's life, God's love, God's power in my life. The humbling thing is 
But God wants to do all that for you. You don't deserve it. You couldn't earn it. For most of us here, he's already done this. For some of us, he still needs to do it. All we have to do is to want that. And then just to take those necessary steps. And praise God. What a future you have then. To live the rest of your life with Jesus living in you, to work in you and through you. Not to live a religious life, but to live a Jesus-filled life. Filled with his love, filled with his power. And then to enjoy God in his glory for all eternity. I mean, you get the best of both worlds. The best that it's possible to have here on earth far better than being wealthy. Wealthy people find it hard to get into the kingdom, Jesus said, because their trust is in their wealth, not in God. But we have the best of both worlds, God's life now, God's life for all eternity. So let's stand, shall we? And let's thank the Lord First of all, thank God for Jesus. Because he made it all possible. Now, I know that what I've been saying about most of you here will know tonight. I haven't said anything new. But I'm always impressing upon our students in the college. It's one thing to know the truth. It's another thing to be able to communicate the truth. And God wants to make us all communicators of the truth so that more and more people can come into the truth of the gospel. So let's say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thank you for giving your life. Thank you for taking all my sin upon you. Thank you for taking all my failure, all my fear, all my guilt. Every negative thing you took upon yourself, all my sicknesses, all my pains, all my sorrow, all my grief, you took upon yourself every negative thing and you put it all to death so that I can be set free from it. So that anybody who comes to you and puts their trust in you can be set free from all those negative things and be given a brand new life, a new start to their lives. Hallelujah. Where all the failure of the past is as if it never existed. And we praise your holy name. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this new life. Lord, we thank you for this gift of the kingdom. It's the eternal kingdom. It's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Thank you that you say that kingdom is not over here or over there, but the kingdom of God is within us. So we thank you, Lord, that we have that rule, that reign of God within us. Hallelujah. Oh, and we pray for any amongst us here tonight who don't yet have the kingdom within, but soon will. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for this precious gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the life and the love and the power of Jesus himself living within us to enable us to live this new life of the kingdom. And, Lord, our prayer tonight 
is that we will be effective, effective communicators of the kingdom. Not just by what we say, but by what we do, by the way we live, by the example we give, by, by the way in which we reach out to others with your love, with your compassion, with your truth, that we use every opportunity that you give us. That many more will be saved from a Christless eternity from living in eternity outside the kingdom of heaven. That many, many more will receive this precious gift of the kingdom. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord, you saved us and you want to save others through our witness, through our testimony. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. This is why this church exists here in Burgess Hill. And it's not going to remain, you know, just a few dozen people. It's going to become a church of hundreds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because of all those that are going to come into the kingdom of God. And we bless your holy name. We praise your holy name. Lord, it would be good if it became a, a church of thousands, not just of hundreds, because there are so many people here in this town that need you. So many, Lord, whose, whose lives are really just a disaster or, or are meaningless. They're just drifting through life from one month to another, one year to another, with no direction, no purpose. They don't understand all the great and wonderful things that you want to give to them and to do in their lives. So we thank you, Lord for the life you've given us. And we thank you that you make us communicators of that life to others. Praise your name. Praise your name. Now, if there's some here, and I believe there are, who don't yet possess that kingdom, what you know now is that God wants to give you that kingdom. You can never deserve it. You can never earn it. It doesn't happen by anything you do, but by allowing Jesus to do for you what only he can do for you and to give to you what only Jesus can give to you. You've just got to make that decision. You can actually make that decision in your heart now. God actually knows what you're thinking at this moment. In your heart, you can say to God, Lord, I desire the gift of your kingdom. I want that new life. I want that new beginning. I want all the shame and the guilt and the failure of the past to be washed away. I want to be set free from all of that. I want the new life that Jesus came to give. And in your heart, you can say to God, so please forgive me. Forgive me for everything in my life that hasn't pleased you, that has grieved you, that has been in opposition to your will. All those things, Lord, I've done in ignorance, really, of your will and purpose. Please forgive me. Don't just forgive what I've done, Lord. Forgive me, because I'm the one who did those things. I want to know 
that I am forgiven. And then you can say to the Lord, Lord, I give my life, I surrender my life to you. I place my life in your hands so that you can give me that kingdom. You can give me your life. It's not a bad swap, is it? You give your life with all its weakness and failure, and he gives you his life, his eternal life, the life of the kingdom. What a swap. It's worth it, isn't it? Because if you don't give your life, you don't get his life. So you can make that decision now. And God knows if you're making that decision. And Lord, I pray for anybody who needs to make that decision here tonight. Thank you for what you're working in their hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the new life that you impart to them. Lord, I dare to believe that some people came in here tonight that may have thought they were Christians, but they weren't. But they're going to leave because they are Christians. Going to leave this meeting. Because something has changed. Something has begun to transform their lives from the old to the new. Tonight it may be just the decision and then that's going to be followed up by somebody helping you, talking you, praying for you so that you receive this new life. So Lord, we thank you that your desire is for every single one of us in this room to know you and to know your love and to live to please you by fulfilling the wonderful plan and purpose that you have for our lives. Thank you, Lord, that we no longer have to live without you, but we can live every day with you. And all the riches and resources of your kingdom are available to us every day. That your word says that you have already blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. All the blessings of heaven are available to us now even while we're living on this earth. All those riches are ours. Praise your holy name. Can you thank the Lord? Hallelujah. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We praise your holy name. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Now, if you came with somebody and, uh, and you, you didn't really have a personal relationship with God when you came, talk to the person you came to. Come, just come forward at the end of the meeting here. There'll be people here that will want to talk to you, pray for you, help you. Because this is why we exist. We don't exist for ourselves. We want you to come into the kingdom of God and to know all the riches and resources of his wonderful love for you, how he gave his life for you. Do you understand that if you were the only sinner on earth, Jesus would still have come and died for you because you are so important to him. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we bless you. We praise your wonderful name. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. And we thank you, Lord, for your healing grace that you took not only our sin but all of our sicknesses upon yourself.
And we thank you, Lord, that day by day we can reach out to you and receive more of that healing grace into our lives. And we bless you. And thank you, Lord, that we are able to be channels of your healing to others. That as believers we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Hallelujah. Your word says they will recover. They won't remain sick. They won't get worse. They will recover. And thank you, Lord, for the faith that you give us to believe that. Praise your holy name. Oh, just be glorified, Lord. Be glorified in this church. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you. Lord, if we could only see ahead for the coming years, how glorious it would be to see what is going to grow out of this small beginning that you have planted a seed here with this congregation. And thank you, Lord, it's going to grow into something mighty in God. Praise your holy name. Hallelujah. Come on, let's rejoice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.